I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are now on lesson 12 as we go through this quarter on the promise, God's everlasting covenant. And this time, Pastor Howard, the title is Covenant Faith. Covenant faith, that's so, right. So I don't know if there's a different kind of faith than another faith, but this is the faith we need this to This is an opportunity for the lesson to delve into the subject of righteousness by faith, specifically okay. justification by faith. And so, as we're going to see this week, a lot of emphasis on the idea of, of the imputed righteousness of Christ is going back to Abraham and how his faith was counted to him for righteousness. Okay, a lot to dive into, and we have a little time to do it. So what we're going to do is begin with a word of prayer, and then Pastor Howard, why don't you walk us through our talking points this week. All right. All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you today so thankful for the opportunity to study your word. Help us to understand the covenant, not just the terms and pieces and parts and the logistics of it, but the experience of it. Help us to have the faith that is needed to be not only accounted righteous, but by God's grace to make us righteous. We want to be like Jesus, Lord, so help us to that end. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, what are our talking points this week? Well, now this week's lesson is interesting, uh, and I say that from the standpoint of, from, from my perspective and how I drew it together, the outline this week. Um, typically, as, as, as typically, the introduction kind of leads us into the topic, and the bulk of the lesson is Sunday through Friday. However, Sunday's lesson is just a number of statements. It's an introduction, a number of statements from the pen of inspiration on the cross. Which typically is a thing they do on Friday, have statements from the pen of inspiration. So, if I'm not mistaken, this week has two of the days are almost entirely quotes from Ellen White. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then you've got Monday to, and, and they're good statements. I'll, I'll sure. touch on that in a minute. And then Thursday talks about some of the promises of God, but it's really the bulk of the lesson is Monday through Wednesday. Okay. Um, where so you're if talking you were teaching about the Sabbath school lesson in this local week, you might even say those few things. So <clears throat> look, just look at the structure of how it was put together this week, and we're going to be honing in on the middle section here. Well, I partially say that because you know you have a, a you almost it's. Okay, we have a day of statements about the cross. What do you skip those? And then people are like, how could you're just leaving the cross out of it? You know, you just get into that kind of thing. It's just not. And of course, that's the basis of the faith Everything experience. Of the covenant, right? But it's you'll see what, what okay. I mean when well, we get to walk us through here. Um, so I don't know how the teacher's going to have to decide how to teach the lesson. The way I've chosen to do it this week is uh, point number one, talking point number one, we are saved by the righteousness of Christ alone. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to expound on that as we go. Point number two, Christ's righteousness is imputed to us by faith. Mm -hmm. And that really is a, a bulk of the lesson. And then number three, the imputed righteousness of Christ transforms the believer. Mm. No, that and was, so, might raise an eyebrow, but we'll dive into that in a minute. Yeah, it might. Truth raises eyebrows, <laughs> All right. friend. So and number so, one, <laughs> let's just get right into it then, because we're trying to be tight on our time, and we don't want to go over, so we want to be honorable to you. Number one, so we, you know, and this is—I oh, know it's messing up what you just said, but just for the sake of those who are watching. We always, on our timer, we start with 30 minutes, and we typically go over a couple minutes, so we always end up somewhere around it. But we watch the timer, and yeah. we just figure we'll go a couple minutes over. So we're, as we're going to do that by nature, we set it back so that we'll end closer to 29 or 30. You know, That's you our just goal. outed the idea that we even have a nope. timer. Do you know there's people who just think we land the plane oh, within no, a minute of each other? Nobody thinks that? Okay, well, all right, the jig is up. There's a timer. And if they've ever heard long. us preach, they know we're not landing <laughs> they know there's no timers. in 30 minutes. <clears throat> all right. Number one, we are saved by the righteousness of Christ alone. Yes. All right. So the idea, you know, 
a, a, a good part of the lesson, it talks about the idea of earning salvation. It mm-hmm. talks about the Odyssey and how Odysseus went into this situation where he went through these experiences and the gods finally felt that he had earned, earned and, enough. You know, yeah. he'd suffered enough, whatever else. And of course, the lesson goes on. That there's no, in, in the, the, the story of salvation, there's no earning your way. And so, uh, we've talked about this before, the lessons talked about it, how there's a mindset of some that there were people in this age that were saved one way, and then mm-hmm. this age saved another way. The Jews were saved by commandment keeping, and mm-hmm. Gentiles are saved this way. The only way anybody has ever been saved or ever will be saved is through the righteousness of Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acts 4 verse 12, which is not in the lesson, is where the Apostle Peter says there is only one name given under heaven among men where, whereby we must be saved. This mm-hmm. is the point he's making, that we're saved by the righteousness of Christ alone. Mm. Sunday's lesson, first paragraph, why don't you read that, uh, the first couple sentences. Sure. The Old Testament way of salvation under the Mosaic Covenant is no different from the New Testament way of salvation under the New Covenant. Whether in the Old or New Testament, Old or New Covenant, salvation is by faith alone. Okay, now I don't know about you. I personally read that and I thought, well, there were differences. differences. (laughs) But I think the point of the lesson was... No, the people weren't saved in Moses' day different than they're saved. If a person is going to be saved, right. it's only going to be through so faith in Christ So they might have had sacrificial alone. lambs and services, rites mm-hmm. and ceremonies, but they were all pointing to the same reality That's in right. Christ that we share too. That's right. So Tuesday's lesson, I'm sorry, Monday's lesson goes into the concept of ransom. Uh, and I'm just reading from the top of the page. In fact, why don't you read the quote, the text right First there. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 and 19 you know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot, a blemish or spot. Okay, so this concept of ransom, and the lesson goes into it a little bit, but ransom is a price that's paid mm-hmm. for... for um, uh, to release somebody from hostage, slavery, or, slavery, or, yeah. or whatever, and so ransom to redeem something with a price, you know, which some translations say, all of these are making the point that we couldn't pay our own way out. Mm-hmm. Like the situation of fallen humanity was such that there was nothing man had to pay that he was able to pay. He had to be redeemed by someone else. Mm-hmm. And so this is the concept, you know, again, being saved by the righteousness of Christ alone. Somebody else had to do the saving. And it seems a little, it seems a little funny to have to go over it, but human nature tends to think that we are capable of fixing any problem. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves, no, there's nothing in you it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm-hmm. You're right. Not of not of your genealogy, not of any other kind mm-hmm. of, like, there's nothing in you that's going to pay that ransom. So it has mm-hmm. to come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much of humanity doesn't accept Christ because they don't think they need Christ. It's not until you come to the point that I, there's only one way out of this. Well, when you go Jesus door to door Christ. and you ask people, are you gonna, if the Lord came tonight, like, right. oh, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Why? Because I'm a good person. Exactly. So there's a, there's a, I mean, it'd be great, but I'm good enough. Okay, so the concept of ransom highlights uh, fallen humanity's inability to redeem itself. This is why eternal life is always represented as a gift. It has yes. to be given to us. Yes. We, don't, we can't manufacture it. We can't come up with it. And uh, the lesson brings this out. In fact, I have it here in the outline uh, on Monday's quarterly second paragraph. It says, The righteousness and infinite value of the Creator alone could cancel the debt that we owed to the broken law. That's a real wordy sentence. Um, the infinite, the righteousness and infinite value of the Creator alone. I want to pack mm-hmm. that just a little bit. 
Yeah, plus the debt we owe to the broken law. We'll get into right. that, but there's a lot there. Yeah. Well, so the, the, the concept I have, and we were discussing it before, is it, Christ was righteous in heaven. Yes, he was. But when you go through the plan of salvation, Christ, it, it wasn't enough for Christ in heaven to offer his righteousness. Mm. It wasn't enough for Christ in heaven to die for our sins. Mm -hmm. There was something about him coming to humanity. So when, when we're talking about being saved by the righteousness of Christ, and we talk in the church a lot about the righteousness of Christ, amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't know that we already we always know what we're talking about, what we mean. The righteousness of Christ, sometimes it's viewed as some trick with smoke and mirrors where it's like, oh, Jesus was righteous and he's done a mm -hmm. reflection that's put on. And whatever that means, when you read in Scripture, you see the righteousness of Christ refers to the life of Christ, the character of Christ, mm -hmm. that he lived out in humanity. He was yes. righteous in heaven. But salvation of humanity required him to come as a human being and live in humanity the life mm -hmm. that man never lived. In other words, well, let's look at this. Uh, well, and you think about, um, well, I don't know where you were about to go there, but this kind of conversation we already had about, like, even Christ coming, because we've last week we mentioned how an angel's life wouldn't suffice because it needed to be the one who, the, who wrote right. the law, who's infinite, and, and only Christ can suffice to yes. be an option. But then even in his option, he didn't just stem from heaven and just fall over dead there. He had to come here and not just physically be here, because in our pre-discussion we right. talked about, like, why couldn't like Herod's death decree just gone out at his birth? And be like, well, he did come here, and he, he never sinned, and he died, so he went. Uh, but there's more to it than just physically and, and being And then there. I mentioned that, you know, well, the sin of humanity could wasn't laid on him there. Right. You know, it could be an argument. It was like, well, why couldn't it have been? Yeah, God could have done something. So clearly <clears> there, and, and we... And interestingly, I was mm -hmm. just thinking in John 17, Jesus says in John 17, I think verse 4, verse 3 says, you know, this is eternal life that you may to know Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And, and then um, Jesus says to his Father, he's praying to his Father, he says, I have glorified you on the earth, I've finished the work. Mm -hmm. He hadn't even gone to the cross yet. That's right. So the finishing of the work that he'd done was to live out that righteous well, and life. Hebrews like that picks was, up on that too when he talks about how the, God made the captain of our salvation perfect through yes. sufferings. Like he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, that the life of Christ is just as That's essential right. to our salvation as is the death of Christ, and it creates a righteousness that he can give to us. So this statement in Desire of Ages 762 starts out, the law requires righteousness, a mm -hmm. righteous life, a perfect character, and this man has not to give. He cannot meet the claims of God's holy law. So, and I'm going to read on the statement in a minute, but the idea is, the, the holy law required man to live, every created being, to live a perfect life. Mm -hmm. And there is no, you know, Jesus living a perfect life in heaven as God was not the same as him coming into humanity, taking humanity, mm -hmm. because up to that point, no human being qualified for eternity. That's right. Like, to qualify for eternity, you had to live a perfect life. There was no such thing as a, a, a human being who lived a perfect life until Jesus came and he lived that perfect life, developed that life of righteousness. That's the righteousness of Christ, which we're going to see that he offers to humanity. I, 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 I snicker a little because I think of like, well, what about Enoch and Elijah and Moses who were with? Mm -hmm. But even I, in my sanctified imagination, I like to imagine when they come to visit Christ as he's near the very end, yes. their whole thing is, look, they might be sleeping over there, but we're here as a down payment 
payment. We need you to finish that because even right. even the life that they were granted was probationary until they had the death of Christ. Well, and you know? it was dependent on which we're going to see in this lesson. It was dependent. No human being, you know. There's a statement in the book Steps to Christ. I don't have in the lesson where Ellen White says every right impulse comes from Christ. Mm -hmm. If there is a human being who does remotely good, it's because of the righteousness of Christ. If Christ had not lived that righteous life, there to would to, not to exactly. get to humanity. Yeah, so it's fascinating, but continue. Yeah. So why don't you read the rest of that, that remainder of that statement from the sure. of Ages 762. These, speaking of the holy life and perfectly developed character, these he offers as a free gift to all who will receive him. His life stands for the life of men. Thus they have remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. More than this, Christ imbues men with the attributes now, now hold of on there God. And notice what it said. Thus they have remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance. The reason, thus, in this for this yeah. way, in this because it says he offers his perfect life, his life stands for the life of men. Right. The reason that we can qualify for forgiveness is because we've accepted and Jesus' life. I can, how can I be forgiven if if my life is imperfect because there is a perfect life in its place. That's right. So he comes into my life and supersedes my shortcomings, right, mm -hmm. with his But That's then right. he adds more than this. Christ imbues men with the attributes of God. He builds up the human character after the similitude of the divine character, a goodly fabric of spiritual strength and beauty. Thus, the very righteousness of the law is fulfilled in the believer in Christ. God can be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And she quotes there from Romans 3, and I, time doesn't permit us to get into all this, but it's interesting, in the Old Testament it says that he who justifies the wicked and, and condemns the godly is an abomination. Mm. And yet God can justifies the wicked, mm. right? Well, he's so the formerly a, wicked. <laughs> there, so there's a, right, and so it can't be the same way, that's an abomination. And Ellen White here makes the point that that God can be just, Paul makes the point in Romans 3, that it's because of the way God does this, mm -hmm. because the righteousness of Christ stands in the place of the yes. sinful life, now God can still be just and maintain the justice of his law mm -hmm. and be the justifier That's of right. the wicked So it's not time. just a distant, remote calling of good, it's an actual coming into the life, and the life of Christ is now in the place of mine. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to build on that, that's the yes. foundation. The foundation is the only salvation is ever going to come through the righteousness of Christ, and that Amen. righteousness of Christ is his righteous, perfect life and perfect character, which he lived out in humanity and now offers freely to humanity. All right, now let's move on to point number two, and it, let's expand on that idea of offering it to humanity. The yeah, word so how do we get that righteousness? Imputed, that's yes. our verb, Christ's mm -hmm. righteousness is imputed to us by faith. Whatever does that mean? So lesson, Tuesday's lesson and Wednesday's lesson are on the faith of Abraham, part one and two. And it quotes from Genesis 15, 6, where it says that Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now Paul picks that up in Romans 4 and uses another word there. And these words are, are interchangeable. So this okay. is why the lesson brings up what it does, which we'll get to in a minute. Romans 4, verse... Um, why don't you read verses 3 through 6? Okay. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. So you see there that in, in verse 5, he's accounting mm -hmm. righteousness like he did with Abraham. And then verse 6, he, the, the apostle uses the word imputed. Okay, okay, so the accounting and imputing are essentially synonyms. Are, or, yes. Yeah. 
Yes, and so the lesson highlights this. It talks about this theological term, imputing, mm-hmm. and it says this in um, Tuesday's lesson on the last paragraph on the page. It says, however much Abram's life was a life of faith and obedience, it was not a life of perfect faith and perfect obedience. Obviously, he had his human failures. At times, he displayed weakness in both areas. Does that sound like anyone you know? (laughs) All of which leads to the crucial point, and that is the righteousness that saves us is a righteousness that is credited to us, a righteousness that is, to use a fancy theological term, imputed to us. This means that we are declared righteous in the sight of God despite our faults. It means that uh, the God of heaven views us as righteous even if we are not. Now, this is Mm. how we come to Christ. And this is the, in fact, I've got a note here in uh, from the SDA Bible commentary on Romans, this passage we just read in Romans 4. It says, in classical Greek and in the papyri, the term was used in connection with the keeping of accounts. Abraham's faith was set down on the credit side for righteousness. So they had either counted righteous mm-hmm. or credit. It's like you've got an empty bank account and somebody puts a deposit in there. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's a deposit of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so now where you were bankrupt, righteousness from another source mm-hmm. comes and, and fills in the gap. So this is the idea, imputed, credited, reckoned. It's not yours. So even though... Abraham had his faults. Even though you and I have our faults when we come to Christ, Mm -hmm. the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. It's credited to us. Mm -hmm. Do you want to look at the quote here? I could. I didn't know if you were going to comment on that. No, I was just just right there with you, so I was Yeah, so why don't you read the quote there that kind of fleshes that out a little bit. This is from Josiah of Ages, and it reads, Through the value of the sacrifice made for them, they are of value in the Lord's sight. Because of the imputed righteousness of Christ, they are accounted precious. For Christ's sake, the Lord pardons those that fear him. Statement continues. He does not see in them the vileness of the sinner. He recognizes in them the likeness of his Son, in whom they believe. Again, that's Desire of Ages 667. And I notice a phrase in there, Pastor Howard, This strikes back to our earlier conversation about how do we even have a righteousness Mm -hmm. is because something outside of us, not of ourselves, takes the place of what we have rightly earned, which is condemnation. But here, God doesn't just see Christ generically on paper. He sees him in us, right? So we take Christ in and his righteousness, and now when we stand there, we're standing imputed and infused with this righteousness of Christ. That's right. Well, um... I would I would hesitate on the infused word. I, I, that, I, yeah, I noticed that's a loaded term, so let me back that one up. That, there's there's a Catholic terminology, and so this is getting into our next point. So we're kind of okay. going ahead of it, but the, in Catholic terminology, there's a, something called infused righteousness, which means that be, when when God gives you His righteousness, then you inherently become righteous. Right. And that is not, not what no, happens. No. The, the the any righteousness that ever uh, it, it comes through humanity, through the, is right. always the righteousness of Christ. It's always external to man. It's not I man. who lives, but Christ Even if it's me. internal, yeah. it's external to man. Right. In other words, if I'm doing good, and that goes back to that statement from Steps to Christ, um, every right impulse comes from Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, the right impulse, I may have the right impulse, but it's not mine. I can't mm-hmm. claim credit for it. And we're going to see that further uh, explained in so number three. put a pin in that for now. But notice this. So this statement here, what we've looked at so far is that only the righteousness of Christ can save anybody. That's Mm -hmm. how we're saved. And that righteousness comes to us. It's imputed to us. It's put to our account Mm -hmm. when we believe 
through faith. When we trust in God, the provision he's given in his son, Jesus Christ, and we trust in him for righteousness, despite our unrighteousness, it's put to our account. That's mm-hmm. how we receive it. Um, trusting that God will uh, save us through the righteousness of his son. Now, it's part of the lesson brings up the point, and there's, there are all kinds of discussions in theological circles about this, but the point made on the bottom of Tuesday's lesson says this means that we are declared righteous in the sight of God despite our faults, which is true. But there are some who argue that the imputed righteousness is only a declaration and stops there. Mm. And, and the mindset, and perhaps you've heard some of these discussions, but the mindset is this. What gives me hope and peace as a Christian is to be told that, listen, don't worry about your obedience. You're going to stress out about having to obey God and keep the law of God. Just believe that Christ's righteousness is put to your account, regardless how simple you are, and that will give you a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the mindset behind it. Like, as soon as you start saying that the righteousness of Christ does something in the person, Mm -hmm. then you're always going to be expecting, and your expectations, you're going to be frustrated with yourself. And and so it's got to be outside of you, and it's always a declaration. And as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, I thought about Romans chapter 7. Okay. Imputed uh, a mere declaration. A true Christian is not content with a mere declaration. Mm-hmm. When you read the struggle that the apostle has in Romans seven, mm-hmm. he says, "I delight in the law of God according to the inward man." Mm-hmm. He says that would I, which I want to do, which I desire right. to do, I can't do. He wasn't desiring to get away from the law. He yeah. wasn't desiring somebody to say, "Hey, look, just trust in the imputed righteousness of Christ." It's a declaration, and don't worry about having to keep the law. It wasn't a worry about having to keep the law. It was his desire to, to obey, yeah, there was a will and, he, to do it. and yet he had no strength to obey. Mm-hmm. And so, when he comes to the end of Romans seven, which is fascinating, he says, "Oh, you know, who will rescue me? Who will deliver me from this body of death?" And a lot of people read that to say. Who's going to deliver me by just saying, don't worry about obedience anymore? But that's not, when you keep on reading to chapter 8, what the Bible says, what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, this Romans 8, 3 and 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in In us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So when you take the whole thing, the desire of the true Christian is to obey God. He just can't do it. He doesn't okay. have the strength in himself. And it's not, it's take an alcoholic who, who, who is loathes his alcoholism. Yeah. And you say, Hey, just don't worry about it. We'll overlook it. Then like, okay, he's going, I'm not going to overlook that's it. That's not the, that's not the hope that I was looking for. Right. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't want to go home and yell at my wife and beat my kids and stuff. Yeah. And alcohol. I want to be pretend over it's the, okay. Right. Exactly. I want it to be done. And so this is where the imputed righteousness of Christ brings the righteousness of Christ. You know, Ezekiel 36 uh, talks about how God says, I'm going to put my spirit upon you and I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways and keep mm-hmm. my statutes and judgments and you will do them. This is the hope that there will be, that God will give us the power through the righteousness of Christ to do what we couldn't do otherwise. Well, and Paul refers to it as this mystery, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And of course, glory right. means character. So if I have any hope of developing the Christ-like character, it's not going to be just through my own works, because that can't do anything. But the promise is that Christ is in me working that out. And that's right. That's 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 great hope. Yeah. So we got to race into number three here. Number three, the imputed righteousness of Christ, and this is what we're getting into, transforms the believer. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a declaration, but listen, what does, happens when God declares something? <laughs> Let there be light. Boom, <laughs> you right? You just see it so, as light. It is light. Um, the, the, the lesson asked the question on, on Thursday. One of the questions it asked is, what does justification have to do with peace? And it goes to Romans 5.1, and... 
the idea is having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, it says in Romans 5.1. Mm-hmm. The mindset of, of some is that that peace with God comes from the fact that once I'm justified, God's not angry with me anymore. And he's, and you know, because peace comes in the absence of war. Right. It's a, it's a and God fire. is fighting me as a sinner. That's a mindset that is so heathen. And that's, foreign a pa- to- yeah, so that's a pagan idea that God is. And how much of that is woven into modern Absolutely. Christianity? Like, man, God is mad. He doesn't yeah. like us. He's perturbed at us. But Jesus loves us. So, all right, there's, right. there's the good God, bad God. Yes. And the good God stands in the place of the bad God who's against us. And this one happens before us. And we're just in, in, in like, oh, thank goodness now God's not mad because Jesus showed up to get in the way. Right. When the Bible clearly says, for God so loved that he sent Jesus, the whole host of heaven, including every member of the Godhead, is in our favor. They so want the question us. then is... So where'd the war come from? Yeah, where was the warfare? Was God fighting us? Or was it we who were fighting against That's God, right. his law, his... And so where does the peace come from if the warfare was the on our side? peace comes, if we were the ones fighting, the peace comes when we stop fighting. Amen. And justification, when the righteous, when the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, we mm. stop fighting God. Notice the mm. statement. Why don't you read that statement that it says on faith that I live by? Uh, faith I live by 112 says, Having made us righteous through the imputed righteousness of Christ, God pronounces us just and treats us as just. He looks upon us as his dear children. Christ works against the power of sin, and where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. And she quotes Romans 5 again, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What a credible statement. So, having made us righteous through the imputed righteousness of Christ. I mean, how do you put the righteousness of Christ to somebody's account and it doesn't change the somebody? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get that if we were to take it through Scripture, you know, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. When does that happen? That happens when I believe. That happens Mm -hmm. with justification. That's my justifying moment. When I believe in Christ, I'm justified. And what happens? I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Mm. That's transformation, right? Yes. Um, The Apostle John says in 1 John 5, 12, He who has the Son of God has life. He's Mm -hmm. speaking of the life of Christ becomes the life of the believer. Uh, and he will walk just as Jesus walked, he says in 1 John 2, 6. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So when you come into a relationship with Christ, you hear so many times, well, that's when he calls you good, and later on, he'll start making you mm-hmm. good, or your work is good. But apparently, God declares things, and they come into reality in the moment. That's right. And even just so that we clarify, the way he makes us good is through the righteousness of Christ. Right. It's never my righteousness. It's always his righteousness. But it's Christ lives in me, as Paul said. Right. Well, and I think things is a lot of, even in our modern Adventism today, like God does all the work of justification, and he partners up with us and encourages us and saints. <laughs> right. It's like, no, 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 he's not just cheering us on. In either way, he's in us. If he's not doing all the work, That's what I'm saying. It's like done. His imputed righteousness is him in us. His imparted righteousness is him in us. Like Christ in us is the only hope of glory. Well, and I don't have it in lesson. I should have put it in because it's on covenant faith. But Paul talks about in uh, Acts chapter 26 that, that we're, in fact, quoting from Jesus, those who are sanctified by faith in me, Jesus says, and Paul quotes that, in other words, we're sanctified by the same faith that justifies us. Yes. It's not like there's a different faith here and then there's a different faith here. Right. When I exercise faith, both justification what and I get sanctification come yeah. to... Exactly. Right. What I don't, I don't what just I get, get this piece of Christ or this part. I get Christ and he goes to work and it's beautiful. Yeah, so why don't you read that? Finally, all right. Signs of the Times, June 18, 1894. 
Through the righteousness of Christ, our substitute and surety, our obedience to God's commandments is made acceptable. Christ clothed his divinity with humanity and endured the test upon the point of appetite, ambition, and love of the world, thus making it possible for man to keep the commandments of God through his imputed righteousness. Now, we always think of mm. the, the imparted righteousness of Christ, which we didn't mm -hmm. get into a lot here, as being what enables us to keep the commandments. But notice here, mm -hmm. making it possible for man to keep the commandments of God through his imputed righteousness. Why? Because it, imputed righteousness means that righteous life and character of Jesus is is put to our account when we believe in Christ mm -hmm. and materially transforms the believer. Beautiful. Well, Lesson summary. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, on Friday says, Old Covenant, New Covenant, Jesus paid the debt owed to the law so that we can stand righteous in the sight of God. Amen. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for so many things today, but we thank you most of all for Jesus. He is our Creator, He is our Redeemer, and He is our righteousness. Lord, help us to see in Christ all that we need and to have peace with you through the merits of our Savior and the power of His new life. Lord, let us each have that experience today, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.